Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Radio Network. I am Mike Casaza, positioned once again high above Mountaineer Field, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, just a... Regular old Saturday for WBU football, huh? Uh, 27-21, right in that range we were talking about. Six-point win, ugly, gross, lots of defense, turnovers, special teams. Maybe just not in the order that we thought with everything that went on. Because uh, I, to be fair, Neil Brown has a point, and, and several other people have kind of pointed this out, that I think, well, Neil Brown didn't say this part, but I think if you would have told everybody beforehand, hey, West Virginia's going to win 27-21, play some pretty darn good defense for 95% of the game, and the offense is going to be okay with a couple ugly plays, you'd say, yeah, oh, that's great. Okay, take it. But just the way it happens and the way it goes, and here we are, uh, as Neil Brown noted, asking these questions, these fair questions. Wow, so much to get into there. You're throwing the smoke grenade in. We're going to have to let everything clear out for a second here. No way. No way. Get in there, Mike. Go. Come okay. on. Okay. Uh, I'll run in the room. Um, Listen, I love this sport. I love this job. That's why I've been attached to it for so long. And it's days like this where you are just struck, speechless, thoughtless, reactionless to what you're watching. And sometimes you think you see it coming, and it's elation when you do see it coming. And sometimes you don't see it coming, and it's elation when you don't see it coming. And this was a combination of both today where you're just thinking, oh my gosh. And I um, I ducked out with about four minutes left to get downstairs, and I watched West Virginia's three plays and thought, boy, that's that's pretty early to be just conceding. Okay, they took some timeouts. I guess that's part of the goal. But, boy, I would have liked to have seen something more ambitious there because, I don't know, Tech does something here. Boy, that pressure's up. And when I get back down, Tech has scored. Tech chose to kick it off with, like, three – 310 left, and I'm thinking they are not scared of West Virginia's offense. And I'm watching in the control room, I guess, or like their studio room. And it was, Chris, it was when that screen pass was one thrown and two picked off. It was, I'm not kidding, it was hands on my head going, oh my God. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it was called. I couldn't believe it was thrown. I couldn't believe it was intercepted. And I couldn't believe that he didn't score. He was around that corner and was gone. West, West Virginia was done. That, that return was walled off. And Bryce Ford Wheaton was like a torpedo. Um, and just came through and blew the guy up. And that's a huge play because they end up not scoring. West Virginia survives. I don't know how this happens here. If you're trying to find silver linings, hey, very easily you can say it's a win against number 15. You get your trophy back. All that stuff is simple. Chris, this is frankly a game they should have lost, and they do lose in the past. And they do lose this game last year or the year before, and you look at some of their narrow losses and how things happen for them. They won this year, and then on a Saturday afternoon, before you have to talk about the next opponent, before you have to sit down and revisit tape, I, I think that's enough. But what I really like about the sport and the job, 
it doesn't matter because as you mentioned on the whole great day a win that was about what you expected stylistically the score the competitiveness however the reason that it ends up the way that way the way that we're talking about is because things that you're monitoring and you're looking for um, landmines or better outcomes let's say not get too critical those better outcomes weren't there the landmines were there that stuff matters and that i think is maybe what people feel a little bit hesitant about if they're trying to put their thumb on progress yeah i think here we go again i, I, I was i was typing it out um for those who are listening for our vips i put out some immediate thoughts as the game's ending and as obvi- obviously in order to have them out immediately as the game ends i'm, I'm kind of writing them as it's happening. It's usually with my notes that I'm prepping for the podcast, what I'm seeing, what I want to talk about. And then I kind of put it in paragraph form to post the minute the game ends. And it was still 27 to 13 or 40. Yeah, 27, 14. I don't think it was 27, 7 still. I think it was 27, 14. And I, I started writing some notes and started forming it into paragraphs. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's just as long as it's not that t- it's something, I can't remember what I said, but then it was, I kind of left it out, didn't say something about it. And it was that this is 2019 all over again. This is Maryland all over again. And this is why so many people are so frustrated. So many fans are so exhausted with it. And, and I think why they just don't understand what's happening here is that it, 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 it happened again. It, it was right there. It was that the offense just said, okay, those were our three plays. See you later. That's it. You guys take it from here. And the defense was asked to do to get a stop again and again and again. And then they end up, you know, getting exhausted mentally, physically, and make a couple mistakes. Then all of a sudden, hey, what's wrong with the defense? There's nothing wrong with the defense at West Virginia right now. I mean, it's some minor things. We're not saying they're perfect, but a defense is a is a winning defense that West Virginia is putting on the field. The offense is not still. Still, and and that has been the case for three years now, and nothing, nothing's changing. It, it, it for the first couple quarters, it, you kind of felt, hey, there you go, you know, a couple big plays here, a couple meh there, but no, oh my god, I can't believe they just did that, and th- and then all that came in the in the third and fourth quarter when they had, they tried to pull the TCU from last year, is what I called it, uh, when West Virginia went up twenty four to six, and and basically Neil Brown was like, oh. Uh, TCU is not going to score 15 points today unless our offense screws up. So we're just going to three yards in a cloud of dust the rest of the way, eat up a bunch of clock. And West Virginia went into that in the second quarter. I think it was the second, first, last drive of the second quarter, first drive of the third quarter, two drives for 15 or 16 plus minutes is what it was. They had already set, hey, cruise control, TCU game plan, just three yards, cloud of dust, let's go home. And it really almost killed him. I don't know where to begin. I just want to start at the end. Um, they were, I thought they were done. I thought they were done. I'm sure the darn near 60,000 people in the stadium and watching home, however many that number reached, thought they were done. The way that that game was, was going, it was being given away. The only things that couldn't happen were happening for West Virginia. Um, and just inexcusable stuff that caused a lot of things and people into question. It's all happening there. And that's the stuff that you worry about. And all of a sudden, the boogeyman knocks on the door and you got to answer. And I think people were trying to figure out what that was going to look like when the door did swing open. And it doesn't happen. But, like, they, they snapped the ball twice, Virginia Tech, and were inside the three. And the tackle on that play, I think it was Bartlett and a die. Um, those two guys looked tired. The whole defense looked tired. I'm thinking 
this is going to be easy. This is going to be three yards and one of the next four snaps, no problem at all. And then just, again, the other silver lining for West Virginia is you don't have Justin Fuente. That's good, right? <laughs> and you, you can you can lampoon Neil Brown all you want, and I haven't heard Fuente's postgame or any of his justifications, but their red zone offense was terrible today. A lot of the ingenuity that we saw offensively against Middle Tennessee State was not there. They didn't use their backup quarterback, who was a short yardage guy, in either one of their red zone possessions. Um, I just read you the numbers. I think they snapped six times inside the five and got nothing, and they never once brought that guy in to do anything. And he's just a wildcat guy, but, like, man – the state of the West Virginia defense on that final series kind of heaving a little bit. I'm sure they want to defend the pass because that quarterback wasn't scaring me. But the quarterback who's 6'5", 230, who's going to be running at you like a bull because he's fresh and he's just trying to get three yards on one of these snaps. I couldn't believe that that didn't come out at that point at any other time when they were close to the red zone or close to the goal line. And then ultimately, Tex won for four in the red zone. That's the game. And Silver lining, that could be you, West Virginia. You could have been the team that lost to that team. I, mean, I don't know how Tech did this simultaneously, did not deserve to win the game, and did not deserve to lose the game, and somehow somehow walks out with both of those badges attached to their denim coat. How does that happen? I don't know. Everything about this game was, again, it was, it was, it had all the ingredients that we said it would have everything all the way down to, oh, my God, I, did you not see me tweet you in like the first two minutes of, hey, there's that short prevent mm-hmm. defense I was trying to talk about. I was trying to describe where West Virginia kind of just made a shell. But instead of a prevent that went back 30 yards, it was like 15 because they just did not think that Burmeister could throw it deep. And he couldn't. I mean, he got a couple down there, but that's just not his forte. <clears throat> and the defense stifled him when they did that. They just they couldn't. They came to the ball, just like you said, rally to the ball and you're good. And but it had all the ingredients we were talking about and just mismatched all over the place. It, it, it was a it was unlike, I think, any game I, I can remember. I, I. All the way down to everything flipping just at halftime, not even even when it felt like West Virginia was dominating and I was typing up that, hey, here comes the TCU second half again, where West Virginia is just going to run it out and it's over. And then just inexplicable turnovers. All of a sudden, Tech gets a little bit momentum offensively. I believe at halftime or the first quarter of halftime, West Virginia was averaging eight, nine yards of play. And Virginia Tech was under four. It was like three-point-something. And then in the second half, it was six-point-something for Tech and three-point-something for West Virginia. Just completely flipped at halftime. Even though you felt like West Virginia dominated that game, dominated that game until literally the last second of the third quarter when they got that that touchdown. All right, let's get to it. The final possession. Get, get to what, Mike? The final possession. Um, I, we, we've made the remark. I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I think I know what the answer is, and I don't think it's the one that people want to hear. Is that the end of the Jared Dagey starting quarterback era? Because that's an inexcusable play. Um, and not only that, but it's it's on the coach too, but the execution of the play is, is pretty poor as well. To me... I thought so. So my immediate thoughts as it happened was that's the end of it. If West Virginia loses, it's definitely in the end of it. Absolutely. But at some point, Neil Brown has to take a stance and say that's the end of it, even if West Virginia wins this game. Those are my immediate thoughts as the pass happened because, one, Neil Brown is 100% right. That was a terrible play call, and he admitted it. He said it was his call. It was a terrible play call. I don't give a damn if it's third and ten. You do not throw the ball in that situation unless it is that literally that little rollout where the tight end slips out in the flat that they ran 
like five times in important third and fourth downs last year. Um, and it kind of felt like they ran that, I think, on that Garrett Green run on second down where Grant uh, or first down when Green ended up keeping it and running. But you you can't throw that. You can't you especially can't throw a screen pass uh, in, in the middle, a tunnel screen with with all those hands, all those bodies. That's just. I can't. And, and his justification was, hey, we got 35, 40 yards of it the other handful of times. Well, the problem when you run the same play five, six, seven times in a game, the defense is going to catch on. So, yes, you got 35, 40 yards off of it when you ran it the other four times. But now that you've run it four times, they're catching on that you're about to run it again with your formations, with the way the play starts, with the way the play goes. So that was a terrible play. But as soon as Daggy threw that ball, that was I don't even know if he looked when he tossed that ball. Like, he just lobbed it. And of all the different ways you want to throw it, just heaving it up gently into a sea of hands is not what you're doing in that situation. And and I think that that's got to be the end of it. And, and the fact that, sorry to keep rambling on here, but the fact that Neil Brown went to Garrett Green on the most important drive of the game to start when they needed a first down. And I understand that, hey, he's better on his feet. That gives more options. You want to run. You don't want to pass. But mm-hmm. it was pretty telling of, yeah, we feel confident enough to put in Garrett Green. If you as a coaching staff, if the we, the coaching staff, we, not not us, feel confident enough to put Garrett Green in in the fourth quarter of a nationally televised game with two minutes left against the number 15 team in the nation, he might be your guy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He might be your guy. That's not going to happen, though, because Oklahoma looked very ordinary. And Day looked, I mean, he looked ordinary, saved some spots, but, I mean, had some bad moments as well. But I think that it's just what they're going to go with now. And, and they're committed to getting Green into the game as as an accessory and i don't know um listen there's something to be said about players having to learn to win games like this and maybe we saw that today maybe west virginia learned from some of these games in the past where a lot of these players are in last year the year before where you know fourth quarter second half games got away from him and today they had the constitution to make up for that sam has to go with the coach has to go with the coach like i mean the end of the half stuff that we've seen talked about before some of the decision making that we've we've critiqued or discussed or whatever um and then just this decision here like one there's no way he's making that call again on third and ten i think but then listen are they going to lose a game and later in the season because their quarterback costs it up twice in the second half now one i'm not going to put on him as much as his left tackle left guard but still like be secure understand that you're going to get blitzed heavy on that spot and you know maybe get out of it it just you're you're keeping that unknown or maybe it's the known you're keeping the known in the room and do you learn from it or do you have to really have that point hammered over your head i think that there's something to be said now about i mean the clock's really ticking i think it was started ticking last week and maybe that was a win for daigie <laughs> and i think you could say now the statistics last week look good um don't look as good now but if he didn't have those numbers last week you'd probably say wow man what are we doing sticking with this guy here right but now you look at it and say well he had a great game last week and had some moments today, but 
I just don't know how you don't think that the hourglass is turned upside down on him and the sand is sipping through pretty quickly, no matter what Green can or can't do. And if your knock on Green is that he's reckless with the ball and he puts it into jeopardy sometimes, well, guess what? So does your starter. And I don't know what advantages that Daigie has right now because, as you said, when they had to move the ball, took him out of the game because they didn't think that anything with a read option was going to be respected by the defense. And the way they were crashing those edges with Daigie in the game just said they had no respect for him as a runner or any type of a threat. Obviously, it's a, a nod at the offensive tackle play for West Virginia, too. But part of that is that the quarterback can't escape it. Can't go around the corner, can't go up the middle on it, whether it's a run or a pass. And they weren't worried about it there. Um, I my, my critique of everything is, is absolutely the play call is terrible. Um, it's a safe play, I guess, except that it's very easily defended by an alert defensive end or defensive backs. And in this situation, the defensive end, I think it was the end, it might have been the tackle, but he definitely dropped. He definitely dropped. And I think Diggy saw him and had to get it over and panicked and, and just made a terrible play, like an all-timer play. And what's curious is that Isaiah Esdale said that every time that he went in and ran that play, they were calling it out. Every time that he went into the game, they said nine, screen, including that play there. So they were aware it was coming. I'm not sure that's the play you want to go with there. I don't think it's a low-risk play. I don't think Gensai is a low-risk play because it turned into a turnover. And again, they're fortunate to get out of it. But uh, listen, that's an evaluation. I don't think the time is up for Diggy, but I think that the hands on the clock are, are spinning pretty quickly now after something like that. And you're right. If they lose this game, I don't I don't know how you go back to them. I think you could lose this game or win this game and say, all right, <laughs> strike two. Or, you know, or strike two and a check swing, and we're checking with the umpire now on first. But maybe that guy doesn't check in with his call for a while. Not a good situation there because he had some – I mean, he was 50% today. He had some. He had a good start. He had some good moments. But that good start also – was an air ball on the first play of the game, had some unusual decisions. It's well, crazy. That, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Cause I think even even then in originally, hey, my first draft of the immediate thoughts after the game was the offense looked okay, but let's not pretend that it's fixed. Because at that point, until the third quarter in the first half, Jared Dagey was nine of eighteen. He was 10 of 20, and, and and that was when he was 10 of 20 throwing the ball. And at that point, the feeling was, hey, this offense is humming, man. It is really moving. And he was 10 of 20. Like, that's not good. 50% of your passes in, in college, and when you're throwing, like, a lot of short passes and, and then missing a lot of deep passes, yeah, he had a couple really nice throws. I, the The touchdown pass... The throw was solid, kind of back shoulder in the corner. I love that he saw that it was a free play, that the defender had jumped the line. But, you know, it's like once or twice a game, you're thinking that's great, and then you just don't see it again. And and 10 of 20 for what he was was not good. Uh There were two defenders there, and the corner whiffed at the ball. I, like, take a shot. I get it. He sees a guy jump, but like, I was, I thought that was a total misplay by the cornerback. Am I wrong? No, I don't think it, no, I don't think you're wrong in that, but I think that was the only place that Ford Whedon could have caught it, really, because I think the second defender, the second defensive back was behind him. So you couldn't throw it deep. You had to throw it where he could just turn and kind of just out jump him. And I didn't get to see the other routes. You'll have the better look than me, but how many of those guys, you know, were running routes that were going towards the end zone? Because, yep, I mean, if you have a free play, go, just go to the end zone. No, it's automatic for him there. Just go straight. Um, okay, that's fine. And, again, put the ball in play sometimes, too, where I mentioned this in, in one of my many pregame things, but set him up to do what he can do, which is, like, show the, throw the short stuff and, you know, quick stuff to your tight ends and, and 
which are back. So that was good. They did that once. That was good. He's been comfortable though locking before. Um, mesh stuff in the middle. It was there. It was good. Um, and you're right. He's still 50%. But sometimes the other guys have to do stuff for him. And we saw Wheaton make a nice play. Uh, Sam James broke some tackles and got in. Mm-hmm. So I think he got some help. But like when you asked him to do things, that's when it was was troublesome. And the end of the first half, that's another thing we have, we, we must discuss. Because <laughs> I was getting pinged quite often with this, where I wasn't quite upset or offended by it. I thought it made some sense. But um, bizarre play. I mean, a bad snap that looks like he's throwing a fade. I don't think that was the case. But probably was a pass play anyway. Um, he tries to run on one. He gets tripped up. And then kind of gets caught holding the ball, looking for somebody. Sam James doing jumping jacks in the back. Um, by the time he gets it, he's out of bounds. End up with the field goal, and it's starting to look like, man, they might, might need seven there. And you're right. Um, they do get like a nine-minute drive, ends up with the field goal, but it comes right back. The special teams kind of gives in a little bit. Kickoff return to the 22. That's the closest Tech has been the entire first half, the 22-yard line, and they get nothing out of it. And then what an adventure it was getting to the missed field goal. This was this was – this is the Benny Hill soundtrack, Chris. What what was going on? What were you thinking watching this? Well, when it first happened, the very first thing I thought was, I believe it was second down for Virginia Tech and 50, 45, 50 seconds left. I think it was about 50 seconds left. And they get the stop, so it's third and two. And he's like, hey, call a timeout right there. You get 50 seconds left. Tech's going to run one play. If they, for some reason, decide to run it, you can use a second timeout. And then they kick the field goal, they turn it over, whatever it is that they do on that third and two, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You still have 45 seconds and one or two timeouts, depending on the play. And you're giving Winston Wright a shot to return another kickoff. The guy who's averaging over 50 yards a kickoff return might get a shot with him. Um, now, Tech ended up, after immediately kicking into him the first time, doing a, a much better job with it. But... They just don't. They just let it run out. And then the the triple triple defensive timeout with no with the play clock art or the clock already stopped. That was four timeouts, right? Because I think did there was an injury timeout too. There, oh, there was an injury timeout. I was like, I thought the clock stopped, but I th- and I thought tech called the timeout. So there was an injury timeout and then three straight timeouts from West Virginia, which was amazing. Just amazing. Honestly, here's the game. It's it's first and ten at the I believe the ten yard line. Um, he's got Tavion Robinson wide open in the middle, and he skips a pass to him. And it should be a touchdown. It should be 21-14 going into the half. I don't know what West Virginia does. Maybe they got to feel away the score, but it should be 21-14 at that point. Skips the pass, incomplete. I think he has to run on second down. He scrambles. He tries to score. He just loses footing a little bit. Can't turn the corner. Um, Eight yards, third and two, false start on Tyrell Smith, who ends up playing a big part in this game because he false starts there. He is a seventh-year senior, Chris, and he's only in the game because the starting left tackle was injured early on, and he had his hands full with West Virginia's defensive ends, Jared Bartlett, Taj Alston, pressure coming around the corner the entire second half. Um, He was a huge figure in this game, unfortunately, for, for Virginia Tech. That backs him up third and seven, um, again, he's got Robinson open on third and seven, except he waits and waits and he can't get it there in time. Brown's calling timeouts. He's, he's calling timeouts after timeouts. He's letting the playcock run down. I'm guessing he's freezing the left tackle and he's freezing the kicker. It's brilliant, Chris, because this guy yaks a 24 yard field goal. Um, and then man, they needed those three points really, really badly because 
they couldn't get anything going into the end zone at the very end. That's that's a huge sequence to me. As much as that that final stop by West Virginia's defense stands, and it should. It, that's that's certainly the glory moment of the game and everything that they produced there they deserve. But Virginia Tech's ineptitude in that situation there is just as significant. Um, aided by Neil Brown's timeouts, I don't know. Maybe they got uncomfortable. Maybe West Virginia was able to think some things through. Maybe they got good. I know one time after the first timeout, they came out with a different formation and Brown called the second timeout. Uh, that's because he had him use him, right? That's fine. Yeah. But that's a that's a major moment in the game. Three points there makes it totally different at the end of the game. I'm joking with it, but uh, again, it was frustrating watching them where you kind of have that chance to to get the ball back and maybe make a big play, let Winston Wright get a big play. Maybe you get three more points. Maybe you get seven. and Because and, there was that feeling of, I know it's 24-7, but do we really think it's going to be a three-score game for the rest of the game? You, you might need to get tricky, steal a point here or there, and, and that was a way to do it. And I guess... They ended up stealing a point, just a, a different kind of way. Um, with that way, do you want? Do we want to switch to some positives, Mike? We, Look, I love. Have we, have we done I a love, compliment sandwich here? Like well, you know, get something good, something bad in the middle, something good at the end. Well, I love twenty four seven, Chris, as you may well know. Uh huh. You can never have enough points in the first half, and if you can, if you can use your timeouts to save it, do it and get points. Especially when you know two things: one, you get the ball to start the second half, and then number two, you. They were taking the air out of the ball in the second half. Whether they're up 24-7 or 27-7, they were going to get the ball, and they were going to go slow, and they did. You're, you're right. Those two drives took up almost 15 minutes of clock. Um, I would have liked to see them be more aggressive there. And if that hurt them at the end, that's, again, we're talking about a totally different thing here. What leads me to this, um, like Brown Brown was Brown was animated, interesting, at the end of the game, at the postgame. Fair questions, as you said. He knew he was going to get some heat on some stuff, and, and he answered questions before you could ask him. Believe me, I went in there with the with the spatula. I was in a grilling mood, but he he took a lot of the bullets himself before he could even be asked the questions. However, he also was like oddly defensive on stuff. Like I asked him about the first two plays. He was talking about momentum swings, and I said, "Hey, speaking of the first two plays, looks like he hit a home run, and it's all dang." And then an 80-yard touchdown on the next play, just you know, and he, football's finicky, and you're asking me these hard questions, and they're fair. And I was like, "That was that was a." That was a softball deal, right? Yeah. So yeah. He, I think he knows this one weighs on him, but there are some good things there. Again, two and one, they're not they don't have a losing non-conference record for the first time since 2003. So that streak goes on. They get the trophy. Um, they're 23 and one in their last 24, 24 and one against um, non-conference teams at Mountaineer Field, including 18 in a row. Uh, there there are some hallmarks here where this time next year, this time next month, you're you're not going to worry or even be concerned so much about the how today as much as the what. That's a big positive. It is. And something else I think is getting to the the good stuff, the positive notes, the silver linings, the silver. Can you have a silver lining when it's a win? I guess it, that shouldn't be the case, right? I count it. Yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's, it's all silver. It's all lining. It's all gold or whatever because it's a win. But there's some, uh, I don't want to say, uh, unsuspecting or not expected unexpected not unsuspecting unexpected standouts on defense today i gave a shout out my immediate thoughts and it really like stood out a lot today and it's a couple names that we've mentioned in passing before and they've been on the field and they've been involved in the two deep but they were quite literally the keys to the game for west virginia and that was Jarrett bartlett and jackie matthews which one do you want to take uh, those are all yours because I think that they both factor into what you were talking about. Um, 
Matthews for sure was part of that that short prevent defense that you're talking about, which took that took Tech out of its game. They like to do a lot of stuff where they don't flank you. You know, they throw it to their backs. They run some jet sweep stuff or quick screen stuff outside. West Virginia vulnerable to screens all year. Um, man, that that plan they had where they swapped out a bandit or sometimes they swapped out um, a free safety. I mean, they, they put Matthews in a free safety or sometimes they put him in where the bandit was. Just put extra speed on the field, and that really deflated Tech's offense for a while. They could not get wide against them. So that's what that's what that was. That's what I was trying to figure out. And again, you got you got the best <clears throat> view in the house there with the uh, in the press box because it you could tell with Matthews that it, it listed as a corner, backup corner, play corner. It wasn't corner. It, no. it it was almost like a spear, but sometimes it wasn't a spear, and sometimes he was a spear, but he was also the same out there at the same time as Scotty Young, who plays spear. So I couldn't really figure out what exactly was going on, you know, at first glance there. Um, but you're saying he he kind of rolled in at different spots and really filled in? I'll have to check the PFF, but I believe he played deep safety, corner, and nickel today for sure. And that nickel is going to have him as like a box linebacker sometimes. But I know he played for a die some. I know he played for Porter some. And then he was coming in for the bandit. It's like as a swap package. So he, they put him in a bunch of different spots as promised. That's one of those things they talked about. Hey, this guy's earned the snaps. We're going to find a way to get him on the field because good things happen. And you hear that, and it's one of those Tuesday afternoon things. You go, yeah, all right, well, we'll see. He played, it felt like half the game and at multiple positions, but he was in for packages a lot to help them, again, just make sure they were not going to get outflanked. And then Jared Bartlett, who uh, three sacks, uh, should have had a fourth. I just cannot wrap my head around him not getting a holding call on the one right before Tech scored that, that their last touchdown uh, on the third and whatever it was, 18. Uh, the play before that, they ended up getting a sack, but Bartlett is being held and hugged so much by the offensive tackle that he literally cannot lift his arms up to make a tackle. And I'm trying to think of what this is from. Like, it's almost like that Monty Python uh, meme that I used on for our charity bets, <laughs> like no arms and just ran into the quarterback with his arms down. Like, how does the ref miss that? I have no idea. But he was so dominant today that even with both of his arms held down, He's literally just trying to body the quarterback to the ground because he had gotten there so easily. And I think it was uh, Austin or Jefferson that ended up with that that sack eventually. But that was a big play, and he was involved in the strip sack on the fourth down on the previous attempt at scoring. So um, big day for him. I mean, he's a guy that looked the part as the moment he stepped on campus, a guy that a lot of us, uh, you included, me included, thought would make a, a big difference uh, off the edge there. He showed it in high school. And then he's kind of mixed in and rolled in and shared time and and had some issues with missed tackles last year. And then today was amazing. Just made that right tackle's life miserable. But he got around Luke Tinnita once. Luke Tinnita's 6'9", 330. That dude's big, and he got around him. Bartlett's up like 230 now. He's a big guy, and he can really move around that corner. He gets low, he dips, he speeds, he's good. He was He was a factor off the edge there, too. Um, listen, I wrote this last week. I said at the beginning of the season, I think their defense is going to be okay. Like, I, that, that doesn't sound like a bull thing right now. And you can look at stuff and say, oh, they got to get better at this and this and this. They're put under pressure a lot by their offense. That's the fact of the matter. And can they hold up across the season? We'll see. This is two years in a row of similar frustrations, I'm sure. I'm not, I'm not confident that the offense will all of a sudden wipe away all its problems. But I think as long as the defense is up to or near this level, they were flying around, playing a lot of energy, played a lot of people today, too. And you're starting to see, you know, those young second team guys that we're going to be the separation point for this team. How deep could they go? 
that really helped today. Again, I think that they were a little bit weary at the end, and look at what happened at the end of the Maryland game. They were out of gas. They had a lot of guys who played almost all the snaps that day, not as much this time, and you're seeing different players get in and do different things. You know, your defensive line had, I think Jefferson gave him some good snaps, certainly Martin. Uh, you had uh, Daryl Milton was in there again. That's just three guys there. They're, they're rolling people in. Uh, Bartlett and Cowan are a good combination. We mentioned Matthews. That You don't need 11 backups. You probably need maybe half of that, five or six, and they can do that, and they were okay, and, and that's that's helpful for them right now. That's good. Um, I, I just thought they had a good plan for things, and, and it worked out on defense. They really made sure they were not going to get sped around, and I don't think they had any – they had, did not have much respect for Burmeister as a passer. It looks like that they wanted to, like, really press things early on, like take away quick stuff and then hope the pressure got there and make him go to his second or third read. And they knew he wouldn't because he was going to be a one-touch go. He's going to look. It's not there. He's going to pat the ball and probably tuck and go. And he did. And they were able to track him down a bunch, but he got by him a few times, but they were not worried about him as a passer. Um, I don't know who had the better quarterback today, but I know that neither one of those quarterbacks is probably going to win the game on their own. And West Virginia has found a way to do it otherwise, and that was with their defense. Um, One oddity for me, people who had more tackles than Darius Stills. Are you ready? Excuse me, Dante Stills. Go for it. J.P. Hadley. Mm Mm-hmm. Bryce Ford Wheaton. Yep. Letty Brown. That's a receiver, a running back, and a long snapper. Uh, Stills have been quiet this year. I don't know what it is. It might be that everybody around him is so darn noisy. Certainly Mesador. I think Austin's been great this year. Yep. Maybe he's just the creator of that, if he's getting doubled or if he's pressing things and those other guys are getting singles or whatever. But I just wonder if and when it's going to break for him. I think he's too talented. He's too good um, for this to be a quiet season for him. But no tackles, one quarterback hurry in a game like this with the defense is so energetic. I'd have to go back and watch it, but I don't remember him doing a whole lot that made me say, man, he's part of this right now. But maybe maybe he was doubled or maybe he was so um, aggressive at the initial point that the reaction freed up people like Bartlett because um, the band that will play outside your tackle. So maybe stuff like that was a benefit uh, for Bartlett because of Stills. But I was just surprised to look at the box score and see that. I'm, again, I'm looking at this box score trying to figure out what the heck happened because I, I watched it. I don't know how Tech didn't win. I don't know how Tech almost won. Uh, another real quick shout-out. You got me thinking with the guys who had more tackles than Dante Stills. Malachi Ruffin. Big one. Shout-out from Neil Brown. Uh, I did not – I mean, I caught it. I didn't think about it. I said – I said when it happened, I said I didn't see the number, but that was a nice hustle from whoever that was. Uh, and Neil Brown called him out after the game because that was the first half, the right before the end of the first half when Virginia Tech broke that long kickoff return and Malachi Ruffin was on the opposite side of the kickoff coverage, never gave up on the play, ended up catching up to him, making the tackle, saving a touchdown. And eventually, you know, basically the game because they got no points out of that. And, and that was that still 24 seven halftime. So big play from him. And, you know, one of those guys that one of those walk ons that earned a scholarship, earned a spot on this team and is is continuing to earn his role. Yep. Uh, let's wrap here. Um, my charity bet is done because Ohio State has laid an egg in the first half and led 13 to six. Unfortunate. I'm looking uh, at the scores. Everything, everything's done, Mike. We, we're it's a bloodbath, except for that Alabama bet. Basically, the only only people that won were the board bets. That um, user was it at May twenty five that that gave me <clears throat> sent me down that rabbit hole of Alabama's dominance in the first half, um, easily covering that seven unless I've already jinxed it and they're about to lose it because they were up twenty one three on Florida just a minute ago and 
Uh, you're good. 21-9. So you're okay. Good. The, o- the only savings time. grace I have, though, is did you see me posting that thread uh, after we'd already put in the, the story about how I found out about reverse teasers? Do you know what a reverse teaser is, Mike? I'm aware, yes. I was not. Um, and I found out about it. And I went reverse tease, real life, not in the charity bets. It was too late. Mm-hmm. On Minnesota, I think they were favored by one at the, or there, I think it was a pick them and they had to win by six and uh, Cincinnati. They were favored by four, had to win by 10, never sweating the Minnesota game. Cincinnati gets a score at the end plus 900. I was like the only saving grace I have this entire weekend with everything else going down the drain. <laughs> uh, also a long Island hanging with Miami. 28 to 6 in the second half. Strength Miami, of schedule. Strength Miami, of schedule. Miami of Ohio, I should say. So I don't don't uh, throw a parade on this one here. But we're wrapped up now with non-conference play. I watched Maryland last night. Not impressive. Watched Virginia Tech today. Not impressed. What do you think about West Virginia headed to Norman, Oklahoma? And by the way, Sooners, fewest points in the Lincoln-Riley era today. And things were so screwed up that there was a this amazing interception by Oklahoma's cornerback today, uh, T.J. Graham on his three, two or three-yard line with like eight minutes left. And Lincoln Riley challenged it. He challenged his player making the interception because the ball was on, like it would have gotten the ball like on the three-yard line as opposed to, I think it would have been like a turnover on downs maybe. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I've never seen a coach challenge a creative turnover that benefits his team before, but that was the type of day. These weird things happen, obviously. I don't know what the, the, the rivalry factor is in Nebraska-Oklahoma. Certainly that's a big and bad circle for a while, but... Um, listen, Oklahoma hasn't looked perfect this season against good competition. West Virginia's going to come with a pretty good defense. They're going to bang that drum, I think. Um, I don't know what to make out of two and one right now, except that it's two and one. They hate the loss. They don't know take much out of sixty-six nothing. They probably don't feel great about today, other than that they don't feel terrible about today. So that's probably good. And then you probably head to Oklahoma, not into the actual buzzsaw that you might have thought twenty-four hours ago. Uh, it could be a lot worse for West Virginia. The only thing I know about college football through three weeks, Mike, everybody sucks but Alabama. Yes. Is that good? That's fair. (laughs) All right. All right. We will wrap here tomorrow. You have power rankings. I have some things I think and know. We'll do some snap counts. Try to wrap our heads around this game. Chris, promote, tease, promise. What's going on? Going to have some recruiting actions. Uh, You know, last weekend was the first home game, so technically there were recruits there. A lot of them of the walk-on variety, a couple a couple offerable type kids, but uh, not too many of them. And, and understandable, you know, playing LIU, you maybe don't want – it's a home opener, but maybe not the biggest and best atmosphere today. <laughs> kind of a different story. Uh, sellout, wild rivalry game, uh, ended up being a tight game, big win. Uh, got some very positive reactions from those that were on campus, a couple that, that weren't and were supposed to, but – ended up watching the game anyway and we're still pleased so we'll have some some reactions from those visitors and other recruits up uh actually i'll probably put it up this evening props for the crowd sixty thousand. um great day for it the weather is beautiful and and boy it was it was i'd forgotten what it really felt like here where there was having people screaming and yelling didn't have it last year and i thought they were really a factor early in the game tech was shook early on uh, just I, I just thought the game was over 14 nothing i was thinking it's going to be really hard for them to win the game the way that the offense and defense were looking and playing for West Virginia, the crowd was on top of it. But, man, they had a long touchdown drive, and then all of a sudden that, that reality reappeared for West Virginia's offense. But uh, hung around at the end. They were they were light at the end, too. Highlight of the game is um that light 
late drive, the end of the first half, the, ch- the crowd is chanting Letty, 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 because they wanted to touch it once maybe near the goal line. And Jared Davies waving his arms to get the crowd to quiet down. Like, guys, I got this. I'm going around the right corner. <laughs> I think he was just quiet in the crowd because it was really loud down there. And it was kind of – it was cool to see that back. Again, a lot of cool stuff about college football. And today there are reminders of that. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Highs and lows. Um, there's that happy area in between. But, man, it was a nice reminder. The rivalry, the game, the crowd. It was a good reminder of what um, what this should be like, huh? Yep, absolutely. Let's wrap then. Until next time, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.